0: sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales sales development development industry industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-Bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, Noted futurist author and sales development practitioner justin michael welcome to beyond sales development tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe leave a comment and turn on notifications to never miss an episode and now beyond Beyond Sales sales development with your host justin michael
1: Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. I'm your host, Justin William Shatner, Michael. It's not every day I have a New Hampshireite celebrity like Ryan O'Hara who needs no introduction. He's wearing an I Love Sales shirt. I think that's what it means. Yeah, that's I think it's I think it's actually <laughs> I'm not
2: trying to plug anything, but I think it's a sales loft t-shirt.
1: I have those too, like sales nerd. I used to wear them in airports and are you in sales? <laughs> <laughs> We're all in sales. Look, I am like a fan of Ryan O'Hara and Lead IQ. There isn't really a day that goes by that I'm not shocked at the, the potency and the quality of these leads. I, I still cold call CEOs. I just feel like, what, what kind of boxing coach can I be if I'm not in there chasing chickens, like in the arena?
2: <laughs> you gotta, you gotta keep your chops wet. You know what I did last week? I, um, used one of the STRs to film something and I was like, Hey, if I use you, I'll write some cold emails for you. <laughs> and so while they were filming and I wasn't on camera, I was just cranking out old cold emails and stuff. And I still got it. it still feels good.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? to, yeah, man, I'm have, dying to have you play some guitar back there. This guitar is just for show. to just sort of fade. You can't play.
2: Mind. You're not, you're not that guy that goes <laughs> to a campfire and plays and everyone rolls their eyes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do love Jack Johnson. That's for sure. Look, well, this shows on the future of SDR and nobody's closer to it really than you in a way. I mean, first off, I just love your creativity. One of my big things is pattern interrupts. And I feel like your videos, your multimedia, the way you approach your brand, there's a lesson there. And I feel like it is calculated as much as it's free form and not improvised. Like what advice do you have for people that might not have a guitar or piano or multimedia skills? How can they be creative and breakthrough?
2: <laughs> yeah. So I I might've lucked out by learning the right skills at the right time. Like for me, when I was in college, I got into filmmaking and like making movies and stuff. If you go YouTube and they're really bad, like no one would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot better now, but like I, me and my friends, that was what we would do. I was that kid in high school that like would go skateboarding with people and they all got better and I didn't. So I just started recording. <laughs> that's kind of how it happened. But if you're someone that's in sales right now, it's never been harder to prospect. It's not just because people are on their mobiles and people still answer their phone, by the way. You just have to figure out a way to break through. but. Cold emails on the email side have never been lower. Reply rates have never been lower. And connect rates on phones are getting worse and worse because too many people botched doing cold calling for so many years and they train people to not answer a number they don't see. When they do answer though, you make a great connection with someone. And that's sort of what it's really about. I think it's really about trying to find something that you're into and connect yourself to that prospect and find common ground and do something cool that's different. You know how I kind of look at it? I look at prospecting now. And this is where it's going to go in the future, I think. It's going to almost be like you're doing, you're making a Super Bowl ad, but you're only making it for one person.
1: That's <laughs> so quotable.
2: Think of the money that you spend to get these, account- I mean, the companies you work at, right? What's your average deal size?
1: Well, the the beauty is we do pure performance. So if we get through the testing performance phase, uh, these things can go to 30 grand a month, 100 grand a month. It's going to be big. You now we're a managed service. So we're a piece of that, but yeah, it's, it's pretty significant. I have seen the SaaS ACVs careen, but I've seen a reverse trend where consolidated point solutions are starting to do six and seven figure deals. And then the myth of like, we can't close the big deal from the inside. Well, now we all have to cause there's no outside. So it's a funny time to do this, but yeah, it, it's, uh, you make a great point. You were going somewhere with that. I don't want to miss it.
2: Yeah. So if, if you're someone that's listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't really have the skills to make stuff one of the things that you can do is you can organize stuff with people that can. I mean, you, if you're someone that doesn't know how to do video editing, for example, you can go on Fiverr and hire someone from like a Asian country for a fair exchange rate for 10 bucks to go cut a video for you and then send it to a prospect. And you're going to make your commission alone will probably be like 10 X that at least if, if you're entry level. And if it's more than that, you're like you're going to be gold and it doesn't take that hard to do. Like it's not that hard to do that stuff. You just have to organize what you can handle and what you can't handle.
1: Yeah. So very few prospects giving it a white glove approach that might be making something. Stu Heineke makes cartoons without a logo, without names, puts them on a poster board and sends them. And I'm like, Stu, I mean, I'm not going to make a Wall Street Journal level cartoon. Like how do yeah, I do he's super good. <laughs> he's so good at it, you know, and you get this thing that's like framed and But it's really the meta of what that means. It's like whatever your talent might be. I remember there's the acoustic guitar singing sales girl who was like an. Uh, Kate 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 Turchin. Yeah, she played like acoustic song. Now you got uh, Rajiv Raj Nation who's doing like fresh Fresh Prince of Bel Air rap, (laughs) and now all these people are rapping. Something I'm you know don't have much talent in unless it is Digital Underground or Sir Mix a Lot.
2: Do you know the story about when I was a team lead at Dine? We did music videos for people. Do you know that story?
1: That's amazing. I mean, this this is the future. Like the fu- this is what's so futuristic. Here is that we're not talking about technology. We're talking about a hyper personalized style that that turns heads. I only want to share one story. Then I want to hear yours. Is last day of the job. Won't say what company. A colleague sitting to my left. They just got exasperated and just walked out. They quit their job. But on the very last day. He sent the full lyrics of "What Do You Mean" by Justin Bieber as just like a breakup email, and it yeah. set and it closed and it closed a giant deal. And then, like, I was in a big company; thousands of people heard this story. It was amazing. So,
2: <laughs> you, I love those old folklore stories of how people left. When I so many years ago, it was like 2012. This is like early 2011, 2012. It was like the dog days of Christmas time, and I was selling managed DNS. So we charge based on web traffic how busy your web servers and websites get. And what ended up happening was we aren't allowed to really add anything to our network during that period because of contracts we have with major e-commerce companies like Amazon, for example, is one of our customers. And if you do anything where you're adding a new client on and they're taking on a lot of traffic, we basically can't prospect or add anyone in December because of contracts with all these e-commerce companies and stuff. So one of the things that we did was I was like, what am I going to do with my time? I came with this idea. I talked to the chief revenue officer at Dine and said, hey, let me do something really outside the box and crazy. I'm going to make a templated mar- a marketing campaign, but it's for one prospect at a time. And so I got Nick Edgar, who's actually helping me on videos now, Lead IQ recently. I was doing it all myself, but I hired him to help myself. And this guy, Tom Dennison, who's an 80s now at Fastly. We all got together and basically went to a production studio, made a song. We got like a producer that made like songs for like the ba- the metal band, As I Lay Dying. We went to his studio and made these crazy montage songs and amazing. it's the same thing instrumentally over and over again. We just changed the lyrics for each prospect. And then we made little music videos for them where the customization was at the beginning. And then it would switch to a template ending for each of them asking them to the email me five out of six didn't just book meetings. They turned into customers doing this and it, a co- startup
1: the, company there.
2: <laughs> the whole campaign costs us like a thousand bucks to do like it's studio yeah. time and paying the contractor to cut the videos and edit them for us. So like you can do this stuff internally. I know it's like, really outside the box stuff in your pile, like it doesn't scale, but you know what also doesn't scale? Not hearing back from your prospects.
1: (laughs) That's good. I have some techniques like this that I can't share. They're actually so awesome and secretive right now. I'll probably debut them because my team is using one of these techniques, but imagine like an elf yourself that's custom, right? These are the Mm -hmm. out of the box styles, right? Talk to me about it where SDR goes, like in your wildest dreams. It's 2025, it's 2035, it's 2050. Maybe it's the singularity, like we've fused with machine. You know, where do you think it could go? This is not the practical. This is the vision. It's just fun. Someone like you, what do you dream about?
2: I wish, this is where, where I wish it could go. And I don't think it will, but I would, <laughs> I, I could, it could maybe if enough people adopted the stuff. I think what really needs to happen is S, like, it would be a dream if 10 years from now, SDR is in our room and they're basically saying, what are the 30 accounts I want to break into this month? And then they do a brainstorm, like an ad agency, making an ad for a Super Bowl, Like literally are we just sitting down, mapping out exactly what they do and what the SDR is doing their job when they cold call and cold email is not to convince them to buy your product. It's to convince the prospect that they're special to them and their outreach is all about promoting whatever that tactic was that they did. There's so many cool gorilla things you could do. Like maybe you could, how cool would it be if I took a budget and flew down to an office and dropped off hot cocoa for a prospect on, on, in, in the wintertime in New Hampshire and just like cruised up, gave them a hot cocoa and said, Hey, I got you this. Uh, I'm going to shoot some emails. I want to prospect you. Yeah. And you leave. And then like you, like that's such an easy little thing that you can do without being super creative. That's where we can take this. It's not mail. It's literally using economics and accounting to realize I can spend X because I'm going to get six or seven X back when that person closes, or I can spend X and get 20 X when they renew next year and keep their, keep the contract. Yeah. It should like SDRing in the future should be about logo collection, not commission, not contract, not activity every day. That's sort of where I'd like it to head.
1: Yeah. I've always just appealed to, many different types of sellers, because I actually like to do it all. I'm hyperactive on social media, but I also like to get on the phone. And what I love the most is when something starts happening in social media, and then I'll call someone and they're just like, it's so weird. I just call him. Like I just called Ryan Reiser the other day. It was awesome. Yeah, and we just I know like Ryan, this, good guy. Yeah. 45 minute, like passionate conversation. We're going to change the world. And then it's like, it was kind of cool rather than just be like flipping around in there. So you're obviously involved with making technology that really helps like super connect people directly. It's super powerful too, to use the phone down funnel, like with active deals and opportunities close to close. What are your thoughts about where AI and ML can go predictively? Like we're all obviously putting the email and phone data into these sequencers in the sales engagement area. And my big beef with that tech is, if I start to scale it and I have many A B tests, I'm maybe managing five reps, we're all running sales loft, outreach, Zant, we've got lead IQ, Zoom info, all these things. It's really hard for me to know like who's doing what, what's performing. I'm not gonna listen to every gong call. Like there's no cockpit or master dashboard. And then for the rep in there, they're not really sure the next action, the next step the predictive. I thought the closest UVP to this was Neuralytics and inside sales where it's like the local area presence and it predicts who to call next. But what do you think all these tech stacks need to do? You're going to love
2: love what I say. (laughs) So I've watched and read a lot about like all this machine learning stuff. One of the companies that was actually doing some really cool stuff with this, like if you ever talk with like Ben Sardella and those guys, they were like, do you know who he is?
1: I actually was, a co- <laughs> I ran operations for Outbound Works. I don't know if you oh. can put two oh, and two cool. together. <laughs> I did not know
2: that. So I I worked with Ben. I was Daytonize's first customer when I was at Dine.
1: Oh my but gosh, yeah. Yeah, so, so
2: that's like my link and stuff. But I was talking to him about this actually. The way I look at it, artificial intelligence and machine learning isn't going to be about trying to replace humans or it's not going to be about automating stuff. I mean, we're already doing automation on a lot of stuff with all these different sales apps what it's going to really be about isn't going to be trying to tailor some to a prospect or fake personalization. It's going to be about mimicking you. So mm-hmm. my artificial intelligence that I send an email from should be very different from the artificial intelligence that you send an email from. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I think that's where companies should head because people still crave a human connection. When you yeah. sell, you're not buying from someone. This is a good way of thinking about it. There are two types of people in this world. There's people that drive pickup trucks And there's people that ask their friends to move shit for them because they drive a pickup truck. (laughs) That's why sales works, because you want to do stuff to help people because you like them. And that's why we move. That's why people that have pickup trucks have to move their friends' stuff all the time, even though they don't want to. Sales is about the same thing. And if you can make artificial intelligence that will tune to learning tendencies that you do as a rep that make you you and make you unique and find things that piece together your unique experience and allow you to tune that stuff, that's where AI could be really cool. And that's where it won't be like some dirtbag sales trick to get people to respond to you or respond to a cold call or something. Outside of that, the what's happening in sales is things are becoming railroaded where like you add a lead to a sequence and the next 20 steps are already figured out from some manager at your company. But free will is going to come back into sales and tune that stuff. And just because your manager says, I want you to call, email, call, email, social, call, email, call, doesn't mean that that's necessarily the right thing for you to do as an individual rep.
1: Sounds like a tap dance. Yeah, it's funny. Where can it all go? I mean, I just keep thinking 250 emails a day, right? It's like 250 times a day we check our phone. So our DM, the decision maker who holds the P&L, who actually could deploy the money, are they even going to respond to blast emails? Like, ooh, just the ninth touch. And then the CMO will unlock. The CIO will step forward and be like, finally, okay. But I think it's different. I think they deploy people on their teams to look at it, research it, evaluate it. You know, I think they're sitting in chatbots on Drift and, you know, quietly looking. I think if you irritate them enough, they might come in and take a look. What is this thing? And then I thought, well, what if that's a thousand a day or two thousand a day and perfectly hyper-personalized by a machine to the level it's past the Turing test we don't even know. And then I thought, well, maybe the future is referrals because what is cool is like I did work for Ben Sardella at Outbound Works and, you know, you were his first customer Dine at Data Nice that work yep, and yep. those data points are unfakeable like that's either there or it's not so if you can unlock that and programmatically scale warm referrals because it's true it could be an awesome technology and i always think what if linkedin opens the api what would be the
2: ramifications
1: they used so to have
2: it kind of they used to have the api available when they had like reporting and stuff
1: yeah that's true where do you think data is going? I mean, we've seen the virtual IPO of ZoomInfo. I mean, you're at a B2B data company. I also yep. really like stuff like HG data, HG insights, like yep. technographics, Bambora, intent data. Can you talk to me about these categories, how you see them, where they're going?
2: Yeah, I think the natural play that's been happening in the past couple of years is people are now using these things to create triggers and those triggers can create target accounts for people. I think what's going to happen in the future with these things is it's not going to just be target accounts. It's going to do target messaging as well. So it's not just about having data. Data is such a commodity now. Like I, Lead I IQ, if you watch any of our videos or watch anything that I put online, I'm never talking about data because data is great, but you can get data from anyone. And anyone that we're talking to already has a data provider usually. The thing that's sort of happening is putting that data to work and being able to do things with that data. Like, for example, I might be able to go look at a whole prospecting team see where they're getting opportunities, find patterns in that, and then say, hey, these are some accounts you should go after. These are specific people that you should go after. LinkedIn opens up their API, for example. Maybe the recommendation's coming on who you have mutual connections with. I was actually really bummed out that Nudge went under because Nudge was kind of trying to do social graph stuff with us to help you with referrals. And I think they ended up selling the service and shutting down. But there's a whole way of taking technology that's out there and using the triggers to, to automate, aha, this is what I should do. If you round up and get 10 SDRs right now and said, hey, who are you prospecting today? They usually don't know the answer. They might log into outreach and they might like see what they have pending for their sequence task. And they might go into Salesforce and bubble around and look what accounts are in their name. But they generally don't have that top of mind and know that information right away. And that stuff could totally be automated. One other thing I want to add that I didn't really mention is I think there's also been a misalignment of how marketing is using sales and using sales data. One of, the, one of the advantages, I went to a customer's office in New York. I won't say the customer name. Their SDR team was struggling. So I went over there and I basically met with them and I gave them advice. I did training for them and taught them some stuff about like, how do you start prospecting when you're not in the CRM and stuff? And while I was there, I found out that the SDR manager that was there left. The marketing team was having the SDRs basically there. They didn't care what the response rates were because SDRs were controlling who they should be targeting. They were building their data set up. You can't spam these people, but the email list that you're building with LeadIQ or whatever you're using, HD data, these different providers, ZoomInfo maybe if you're using them, all that data that you're collecting, you could be using for other things as well. For example, if I capture, if i have an SDR and I am prospecting 300 people this month, I'm working 30 accounts and I'm going after, let's say, 10 people at each account. Maybe I'm an enterprise rep going after a really complicated sales cycle. It's not just about cold emailing, cold calling. You're going to post stuff on social. But what you can do is if you are a responsible rep in the future and you're creating content and putting stuff online, you could feed that content to your marketing team and then have your marketing team retarget the same people that you're prospecting so that when they see your voicemail and it's coming from Justin Michael and they're seeing your email and it's coming from Justin Michael, they're going to be like, holy crap, I know who this is already because I see their content all over the place. Like I've never met Tim Ferriss But if Tim Ferriss wrote me an email personally, I think I'd respond because I see his stuff everywhere. That's kind of what you can do here. You can take that data that you have on the marketing end and sales needs to take that and feed it and align it so that when I'm having a list of target accounts, they're not just seeing my marketing content, they're seeing marketing content with me in it as an actual rep.
1: Really interesting. So what's the coolest piece of sales tech that you've seen lately? You mentioned Nudge, or maybe it's a family of what this tech could do. I could share some too, but... There's a lot of cool stuff really getting built now. Like three years ago, I was saying, you know, is it Jarvis Ironman suit or is it, we replace the SDR, XDR. Now I've been saying, okay, we're going from Henry Ford to Tony Stark. That's that's kind of what we're doing. But 500 vendors now, probably 5,000 in three years, few hundred million in this stuff, probably billions going next couple of years. What's driving that is the inbound craze has shifted to the outbound craze and people really need to get, Business going and this crisis, Satya Nadella, uh, the CEO of Microsoft, is like two years of digital transformation in two months. (laughs) So everyone has to learn how to use the sales tech stack. But yeah, what's cool? What do you like?
2: So there is a. I don't know. It's one of the. We're going to talk about the theory of it, not necessarily the products. So don't think I'm being like, hey, go buy this product. Yeah, it's fine to mention it. I have seen. I saw a brilliant talk a couple years ago from this company. It's called Joy AI. And have you ever heard of them? Sounds so familiar. I don't know so if I have though. The guy that founded this company used to train FBI people on how to profile criminals. <laughs> and he would, he would basically, this is a true story. My booth was right next to his at the AISP leadership summit in Chicago a couple of years ago. On the, he said, I'm going to get to know you this weekend. And I bet you I can tell you everything about your life by the end of the week. And I was, we, we were friendly the whole time and talking and stuff. End of the week comes around and he says, Your parents got divorced when you were a sophomore in high school. You changed jobs here because of this reason you did this, this, and this. And he knew all this stuff just from conversations with me throughout the week that had nothing to do with these things. Like he, and he had it aligned to a T actually, that's what he used to call the company back then, but he had everything figured out about me. I was like, how the hell did you do this? And he's like profiling. And what he did is he basically said things like crystal nose and disc and stuff is garbage. Now the new updated thing is basically there's like these different types of buyers and you can look at the way that they word things on their profiles. You can look at the way they word things on online content. If someone can aggregate and crawl that stuff together, they, you can use those patterns to figure out how you should be selling to someone. And an example would be like one of the, pro, one of the type of buyers is called the engineer. An engineer is someone that talks about building stuff. So if I'm, a cold, if I'm a rep and I'm cold calling someone, my cold call might be like, hey, blah, blah, blah. What are you building these days? And you open your cold call that way because you know that they're interested in talking about what they're building. If it's a politician, that's another profile. A politician is someone that really wants to please everybody. So you'd call them and say, hey, blah, blah. You would never say that you know that they're a politician, but your pitch would be, hey, blah, blah, who you, who's your boss? What are you trying to do to keep your boss happy? You change your complete pitch in the frame and the angle of what you go through based on the personality type. The thing that, there's, that I, I don't want to say anything ill of them, but I think the tech they're trying to build is very difficult. They're trying to build something that will automate that. Right now they do it as a service while they're building the AI for it. But if that can get made, I totally understand it. I feel like it's something that makes a lot of sense. And it's changed a lot of how I think about who I'm talking to. I'll go look at a profile on LinkedIn before reps will pull me in the calls to help with like closing and like, and I help with a lot of the training when we get customers in and stuff. And I'll go look at their profile just to understand the person. And it, it, it made me think like this and the, the type of buyers that you can be, I don't know how many there are, I forget, but when I saw the presentation, I was just like, this is crazy. And he went through profiles and proved it. And then at the end of the week, he knew all this stuff about me. So it if they can figure out a way to automate that, it's going to tailor it so that you're actually getting pitched a way that you want to get pitched. That's deep subconscious level that you don't even realize is a buyer.
1: That's amazing. I've watched Josh Braun interview Chris Voss, you know, Never Split the Difference. Amazing yeah, yeah. book. He's like an FBI hostage negotiator, teaching negotiation. You made a comment very early about the SDR role being harder than ever. And we keep hearing about AI taking jobs, but there's two trend lines. One is software is eating the world. I mean, there's construction SaaS and trucking SaaS and you know, it's like on and on. And every time you have a SaaS, you need sellers and you need xdr So the good news is five billion of the software, SDRs in North America jumped from like 600,000 to 2 million. And the bad news is how do we train all these folks? How do we, you know, economize the stack? Cause the stack's getting out of control. It's like, you know, a $1,000 per rep per month in 15% of high growth companies. So I'm seeing a lot of converge stack. It's like the data and the sequencer are living next to each other, or there's a dialer and data, or there's pieces, where these holistic stacks are coming. Do you ever think we would get to a place where the top funnel is gone? It's just artificial intelligence matchmaking.
2: Not a popular answer, but no. <laughs> I, okay. I don't know. I think, I think that Unless they can do the stuff that I talked about, like where you're almost making a puppet your Geppetto and you made Pinocchio <laughs> to be a certain way. Yeah. I don't think it's gonna get there. And it's mainly because I don't know if this happens to you. You have buying power, at your company you work at, right? I have
1: buying influence. I mean it's okay. like I can get a tool approved and then it's ultimately gonna go to the CRO.
2: <laughs> I don't people don't see this, but I'll get on a call with someone. I never say this out loud, but the first couple sentences I go, here we go. And I know exactly what I'm gonna get through based on how it starts. I don't, unless you can figure out a way to match up people with certain personality stuff or showing how you're different and unique. The problem is buyers are extraordinary people and buyers don't want to buy from boring people. They want to buy from other extraordinary people. It's like a little club. It sucks that it's like that, but that's just what it is. So what that means is using artificial intelligence is going to make it so that you're getting ordinary outreach when you're an extraordinary person with buying power at that company. So I just think that there's some sort of emotional level that will disappear. And you kind of need that when you're doing prospecting. That's why I think it won't get to that point. Like we've seen these companies like, what's that one that's like, Conversica does that, right? Where they funnel through your inbound leads and look at stuff like that. There's another, I don't want those companies to think I'm saying anything ill of them. Because I think it works for some high volume places that are transactional and have to go through some stuff. But as more and more people are doing outbound, we're training prospects to ignore emails. We're training prospects to ignore calls. What do you think artificial intelligence is going to do to help that? It's just going to lead to more more people hitting the silent button on their phone. It's going to lead to more people ignoring the emails that you write to them, even if they're good. We have a chance as sales reps right now, especially in this environment that we're in, to really change the way that people think of sales. And the best way to do that is to be like, hey, I'm going to be really creative. I'm going to make it so this person looks forward to going through their emails. Doesn't it suck when you go through an email and it's boring? Like, I want a cool, interesting email. Yeah, like watching... The same content that I put out, I do this thing at Lead IQ. My strategy behind our marketing is like tied around infotainment. So like, I'm going to inform you, but I'm also going to try and entertain you when I do it. That's because I want it to be like watching Bill Nye, the science guy. Like that's the science behind it. Yeah. That's like my whole thing. Like I loved watching Bill Nye and learning about science from him and I was entertained by it. There's no reason business can't be like that. When you're running cold emails and doing cold calls, it can be the same thing. Being serious and being professional are different things today. They used to be the same thing and they're not.
1: I've worked with a lot of sellers and you know, you go out at night and one of them's like a champion at pop shot, you know, it's just like they have weird like skills and gifts. Like I think Sarah Brazier is like a debate. She posted this debate competition where she did like a free form 15 minutes of debate. I actually am just so curious what everybody does. Like, their avocations and side journeys, you
2: know? like Sales Sales is ne- like most of the sales. There's a couple exceptions, but most people that work in sales didn't grow up and say, boy, I can't wait to work in sales. They accidentally stumble into it. I, I'm i in marketing now, but I stumbled into sales because I wanted to do marketing. When I graduated college, it was during the financial crisis in 2008 and all the senior marketing jobs were getting eliminated and they were all taking the entry level. ones. so I was like, I got to get into a company somehow. So I just ended up being a BDR and it changed my life.
1: I definitely think the videos you put out are, are like the most entertaining that I've seen. It's like well, thank you, <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. So the the themes here I'm taking away from this half hour of Beyond Sales Development are really you're go be willing to personalize to one person at the level of a Super Bowl ad. That's on the extreme end personalization.
2: Super extreme does not scale, but what scales is getting <laughs> <to> meetings.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that blew my mind. That's something worth doing. So hopefully we can get the reps and their managers to approve that and then just the the practicality and, and being a realist about what the rep can actually do. So tell me more about where you want to drive people to, to this podcast with Ryan O'Hara is it Lead IQ is it other stuff you're working on where can they partake in your content?
2: Yeah, so a couple things. You can check out Lead IQ. We put a lot of content out. You can add me on LinkedIn and see that stuff, but we we also are like really trying to teach people about research for selling. So like not just going and reaching out to someone because their title and company are the same thing. It's really about other things that you notice and find about someone. So find common ground with someone. That's what we're really all about. If you want to learn and read more content about that stuff, visit our site and check that out. If on the product end, you find yourself doing the same repetitive task over and over again, like you didn't go to school for four years to do data entry, right? You yeah. can use LeadIQ and make it way easier for you to not just push those like different prospects you're reading about online into your sales tools, but we'll give you data while you're doing it, which is kind of nice. You don't have to guess emails. You kind of can just get to work on this stuff. And that's really what we're all about. So if you want to learn more about that stuff, go check out LeadIQ, go to leadiq.com.
1: That's fantastic. What's one tip for someone that wanted to reach you? If they, if they listen to this and they personalize on this thing, you'll probably respond. Oh, well, you're a really nice guest. You probably respond to it. know. I know,
2: I know. Yeah, what would so, blow
1: you away? Like, is it Beethoven? I see a floating Beethoven head back there.
2: Yeah. So I do this, I do these webinars called B2B tonight. And usually I just interview guests. I'll probably have you on at some point, but like we interview guests and I have that as my backdrop. A couple ways into my heart. I have three corgis at home. They're super cute. They're, one of them just got surgery. So she's like in a cone in the other room, but like, like I love my dogs. You can talk about my corgis or something. If you have a dog, send your dog stuff to me. That's cool. On the business end, if you think that you could talk about Ways to help us grow because we're learning stuff. This is my first time going through when I joined LineQ as the first business hire. We have like 90 people now. I'm learning stuff for the first time. It's crazy. If you think you got some cool stories you can tell me that will help me, talk about that. Don't just pitch your product and jump into it and don't fake personalization. I hate that. You know what I mean? Like the, Hey, blah. blah. So I've seen that we're both in sales and marketing. Like I don't want that stuff. Give me something real. Find something that you go look at my content and mention something that you liked about my content or give feedback on something if you didn't like something.
1: See, that's what's important. It's important that the prospect is heard and feels that the personalization mattered. Everybody has a love language, you no? Know? Well, this has been an awesome Beyond Sales Development. I'd love to have you on again on the show. Be well today. Rock out with your guitar. Enjoy your corgis. And thanks again, Ryan O'Hara. Always a pleasure.
2: Thank you very much. Take it easy.
1: <laughs> Talk soon. Thanks.